When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. I'm Dave Walker. I've played with Savoy Brown, Fleetwood Mac, and Black Sabbath. You're listening to Cobras and Fire. It's Tony and Bill and Geezer and Ozzy. It's the Black Sabbath Show. <laughs> Nothing like a little Hawaiian vacation after a successful tour, right, Tony? Oh, you know it. Ozzy, what are you doing? I'm trying to find my special Hawaii clothes. But put something on in the meantime. Oh, oh, I know. I'll put on my birthday suit. (laughs) (laughs) You're listening to the Cobras and Fire Podcast. Part of the Decibel Geek Podcast Network. As a Halloween spectacular, we are in the middle of a month-long Black Sabbath retrospective. This is part two of the Ozzy era. Let me see you later. Cobras and Fire, my name is Baco, and I am joined by the sabracadabulous Loose Cannon. Loose, how are you this evening? Ooh, I am telling you, whoever is tuning in for the adjective this week is thrilled! That was a great adjective. Top notch, yes. Now, Top now they're checking notch. out. They're like, I'm done. Boom. I'm done. But, uh, but I think we also should mention that we are with the spiral architecting Gene Vogel. <laughs> yes, once again, welcome back, Gene. Hi, oh, yes. Thank you very much. I'm so happy to be back when, with such illustrious company. I know, yeah. Oh, all right. illustrious. Illustrious. Oh. You've actually just used up an adjective for a future show, but that's okay. <laughs> oh, shoot. I saw Three, syllable. the oh. Three syllables. It's all right. Illustrious. We always have the Rob Halford thesaurus with us. The th- 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 no one's going to correct me. <laughs> so we're good. Um, uh, Gene, why don't you tell everybody what makes you famous quickly? Yeah, remind us. 
Well, I'm on the Disciples of the Watch podcast, and I'm also in the uh, sexy band Mortificator, uh, mm. dubbed so by the uh, one and only Baco. Yes, hot. Okay. And the podcast you can describe to people, you just did an Alice in Chains review of the new Rainer Fog album, but what kind of stuff can they expect if they go check out that podcast? We're kind of a cornucopia of various topics. Uh, we tend to do like a base episode, which we talk about kind of current events, what's happening in the, the news lately, talk about uh, recent purchases. We kind of like to to just share with you know that we're still out there buying this music and we're supporting these bands we're going to these shows and then we have uh episodes where we'll dive into a catalog or we'll dive into an album or a specific artist and uh hold on on. hold on gene this sounds like you've ripped off our entire show (laughs) that's pretty much it yeah i listened to cobras and fire and said ditto (laughs) (laughs) no but we're hoping but to steal at least because yeah. everything we do has never been done before. No, uh, we are the most original no, podcast. Nobody's ever, nobody has ever done a Black Sabbath uh, catalog overview. But I have to say, thank you because you brought this idea to the table for us, as we mentioned last yeah. episode. Correct. You're very welcome. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad to be part of it. I was, I'm glad you, you guys asked me to do this. It's uh, sure. cool to hang and and try to to fit in with this chaos that is loose and buckle. <laughs> So what do you say we, we kick off the episode talking about some devil orgies? Nice. Which brings us to Sabbath Bloody Sabbath, which was released on my birthday on December 1st, 1973. It was recorded at Morgan Studios in London, England, and produced by Tony Iommi. Gene, we love album covers. What do you think of this one? You know, I really don't know what to say on this one. This one's really, it's interesting. I guess that's the word I'm going to go with. <laughs> that's, a, that's a safe word, right? Yeah. How many um, times have you jerked off looking at it? <laughs> this is a safe place, Gene. Today? <laughs> well, it takes okay, out in the yeah, morning. that's fine. Well, there's two jerk socks on the floor, so I'm going to say at least twice. <laughs> okay. In this basement. Well, that's where you should, you should jerk off in the basement. That's usually the place. There's drains there, Shower. Too, if you need them. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's an odd cover. It doesn't inspire me. It doesn't, but it also doesn't repulse me. Um, so... I guess I'm indifferent to it for the most part. I mean, if you zoom in on, maybe there's some boobies. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do too. Yeah, um, I, I remember at the time when like I bought this on vinyl. Uh, I was it was one of those covers that you keep looking for hidden messages and stuff. Like, oh look, it's six 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 in the pillowcase. You know. Oh yeah. I bet if you're tripping on something, or if you're doing lots of cocaine, maybe it it would inspire something or vision or something. Hmm, probably. Right. Can I jump in here? Absolutely. No. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so here's the, here's the thing. First off, um, coming up to this, as you may have noticed, looking at these covers, they never came out with you know like Kiss has their logo or whatever. Like they're kind of like Motley Crue, where they kind of change their font. Right. Every they did, single they didn't album. stick that, with a. Actually, until recently, after Ozzy came back, they kind of went with one. But yeah, but like this is the first time you kind of see those S's, which come up a lot for. Um, for Sabbath and the, the title. And then the this album cover is everything. This is the first actual album that I bought after hearing the the uh, Solar Soul uh, collect- okay. uh, compilation. And that is because of this album cover. I mean, I don't think there's anything to look at here. This guy's getting fucked by devils. That's the first thing going on. You got 666 on this on the thing. You got the skull looking over it. You got the arms. This is everything that you need to do to hide from your parents. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This would have been I mean, a, like a, this cover and the lyrics to uh, Eat Me Alive uh, from Judas Priest had to yeah, keep away I mean, from the stepmom. 
Yeah, I mean, you can't put this in the general family collection next to the Carpenter's Christmas album. You can't just go right to this. I mean, this is an orgy, and uh, I'll just go out and say it. This is my second favorite of the Ozzy era. I think it is majestic compared to, to, to all their work. Same here. Really? Yep. Mm. We have an agreement between Baco and a rare on the – this down in Cobras and Fire. We are actually agreeing on something for, for once. I'm writing this down on this date in October. Yeah. My birthday. But, uh, Mm. Oh, yes. Gene, what are your thoughts on this? Besides the uh, Jerk Sock Feeling cover, uh, what, what do you think of the music or uh, the whole thing? I don't. This one, I guess, is where things slide a little bit. Really? A little bit. I still enjoy the album, don't get me wrong, but um, the strongest track for me is the title track, and everything else is, is just kind of, it's good, but yeah, I don't know, it just doesn't hold me as much. The rest is fluff? I'm not going to say that, but... <laughs> I don't know, just looking for today. I love looking for today. Who are you killing yourself to live?
they're all fine tracks. Sabracadabra. But as far as like you know stuff that they obviously they that they play live and the stuff that would kind of live on and be part of their legacy, there isn't much on this album. I mean, it's not that it's a bad album. Don't get me wrong, I do enjoy it, but. It's lacks just a little bit, I guess, comparatively to what was coming before it. I don't know if it's they're running out of ideas, huh. um, but I'm, I don't know. I, I guess I'm, I'm in a way I sound like I'm dogging it more than I feel like I should be, but um, I felt like maybe I pumped up those other ones so much that this one isn't just as, as okay. Strong so for me comparatively, you're saying it doesn't rank where those do. I do right. agree with your kind of historical angle on it. Like this doesn't have the like those legacy songs. But I think this is when when you think of what Sabbath sounds like, this is like one of the first records that from beginning to end has that, at least in my mind. Like, you know, the 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 songs like Iron Man and Paranoid, War Pigs, Into the Void, Black Sabbath, those are all kind of like the the easy like hits for the fans, but I think they're almost dumbed down versions of what this band was at at, at its peak. As much as I love all that stuff, this record to me is you know from beginning to end another one that I just love. Quick, quick comment on that. I, I yeah, I agree with most of what you just said, but I'll say that I'm not sure if you knew this, but you updated uh, Skype recently, right? I did. Okay, but you know the ringtone. Yeah, that's the 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 entire uh, music from Who Are You is actually the ringtone for Skype. <laughs> I'm not sure if you knew that. <laughs> that is actually the ringtone. Oh boy, it's amazing. Well, Geezer Butler would say that it was a whole new era. They felt that uh, really open recording this. It was a great atmosphere, good time, great coke. So yeah, they were they were, <laughs> they were still going strong on the cocaine. Well, and also I have to say I, I don't know if you'd agree, Gene, but this is some other more complex songwriting, like changes and uh, orchestration, and, and I, I, I'm kind of going with what Baco just said about the dumbed down versus. Uh, I mean, I, I just find this majestic is my one word. Ah, oh, majestic. Glorious. In, in general, I mean, the production, you're saying this is Tony Iommi only? Is that correct? Well, I mean, it's it's credited to Black Sabbath, but... I think the production here is, is um, I guess, a little uh, lighter in, in, in uh, a little bit. It's, not, it's definitely not as, as, as dark sounding as other ones. Would you say it's at least a little more polished? Actually, I think it has a very dark tone to it. I think it's, it's very mm-hmm. sinister sounding. Well, um, because it's got to a little, little more, yeah, sure. But the more variety, I mean, killing yourself to live. Yeah, and well, that's, for that's today. more songwriting than it is production. It, it definitely right. floats around a little bit there. I love the, I mean, fluff, obviously ridiculous. <laughs> um, you've got, fluffer. Uh, yeah, fluffer and who are you? I, I just, I, I can't get into that song. I think it's, it's silly. Uh, but besides that, I mean, I, I man. I love this album. And that brings us to Sabotage, released on my birthday on July 28th, 1975. Also, once more, back at Morgan Studios in London, England, this record was produced by the man Mike Butcher, and I can unequivocally tell everybody listening this is my favorite Black Sabbath album. It has been for decades. Very nice. Because of the Um, album cover, I don't really care for the music. So the album cover, you like the fact about the impossibility of the fact that they're looking the other direction on the... Uh, I just like Bill Ward's uh, spanks. (laughs) Those are a good look, right? It's like he just got done doing the Nutcracker. By the way, did Bill Ward ever not look like he was 60 years old? (laughs) 
It's like every album up to this, you don't really see a picture of the band. And this is the first time it's like, oh my God! Gene, was it a good decision all of a sudden at this point in their drugged out career to decide, this is the album, we're going to put them on the cover? <laughs> I don't know if they're reaching on this one. I, I, don't, I don't understand that either. But maybe they just figured, what the hell? What do we got to lose? I just like the fact that during this photo shoot, that, that Tony Aomi said, I need to take a break. <laughs> like, that's the shot. <laughs> that's the shot. You need to be you need to be head level to uh uh Bill Ward's little bulge, uh, whatever that is, and his his uh his pants there. It's just interesting. What the fuck is Ozzy wearing? Is he a, a geisha? Yeah, I, well, I, what the hell is Bill you can actually see Bill see Bill Ward's underpants underneath his tights. <laughs> <laughs> I just like the fact, like, like, like imagine the, the, you're the uh, the manager. You have the whole photography session set up, and then they show up wearing this. It's either that, or they just went randomly to some like stage, and they just grand wardrobe off the the racks. You oh know? my god, it's bizarre. There's no, there's no connection between all of them. We're, we're, I mean, have you seen this since you're such a sabotage uh, lover? Uh, Baco, um, did, did you watch any bootlegs of this era? Is this how they dressed on the stage? No, they did outfits? not. No, um, okay. but th- let's get to the record a little bit because it's almost prog metal in a sense. But oh, this, yeah. it, you know, Tony Yomi has a reputation for 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 the riffs that he writes. This record. If you if you wanted to to explain to somebody how good he is at writing riffs, this is the, a great example. I mean, this is the two measure riffs all the way through it from Hole in the Sky, a symptom of the universe. I mean, that breakdown in at the the second half of Megalomania. Oh my God! And then Ozzy's singing and melody. Well, side two has that that thrill of it all, and I, I that song is fucking amazing to me.
great lyrics. I mean, Geezer Butler kind of upped his game lyrically. Uh, Am I Going Insane? I know it's kind of a goofy tune, but I love it. And The Writ is basically just kind of, well, that and Megalomania are kind of like uh, biographical of what they're dealing with at the time where they're being sued by their manager they dropped. Uh, So, but uh, I, I can listen to this record anytime. I love it. Uh, the, the cover uh, is masturbatory, and the music is great. <laughs> I'm done. Gene? I'm actually very surprised that this is your favorite album. For me, it's a little bit more of a, a little bit of a backwards slide. I still enjoy the album. I have no problem listening to the whole thing. Um, but for you to say that this is the pinnacle of, of Geezer's writing, or where he upped his game, I feel is kind of an absurd statement, in a way. Uh, there's so much <laughs> that... Absurd. That, I like it. That... Geezer's written up to this point. And and it wasn't a say, shot at his past work, but the, oh. but that this is his high point. No, oh, this is there is so much more Satan in this record than other ones, and it, it's more reading into it than anything because of their image. But like you know, uh, no more lies. I got wise. I despise the way I worship you now. Now I'm free. Let me see that now instead I won't be led by you now. I mean, you could easily read that as like uh, I'm giving the finger to God and the church. And if you're like a, a young, you know, 15-year-old who is really looking for this like lyric to be scared of, this delivered. And I don't know that they did that to this level before this. Plus, like the lyrics to that, that's from Megalomania, but the lyrics to, to The Writ, and I just mentioned The Thrill of It All and <laughs> even Hole in the Sky. I don't know. I think it's next level for him. Hole in the Sky is a great track. Sim in the Universe, uh, I love that one. That's probably my favorite on the whole this whole album. And those would be the basically the highlights for me. I think Am I Going Insane is a little bit uh, watered down of a, of a Sabbath tune. Probably the weakest track. Yeah, I, I would probably say that as well. Um, the Writ didn't really do much for me either. Yeah, Sabotage, this is, uh, I would say, number three of the entire Aussie era for me. I, I do love this album, and it took me a while to get into it, but once I did, I was fucking into it. And that was, you know, again, the only song I knew into it from the Mellow Sampler Platter uh, from the compilation was Am I Going Insane Radio, which I always was confused with that because the parenthesis radio I thought meant radio edit, and I guess radio is a British term for going crazy or something I looked up. Okay, it's some that makes sense because I always wondered what the fuck that meant. Yeah, it, and it, so that's it was like, but also the thing I was I was confused about it was parenthesis radio to, to me it meant this is our radio song because it is the most like it's almost like a kiss song you know but but we should also mention the fact that this is 1975 they this is so much evil to kick in right this early in this kind of you know before, when heavy metal or whatever you want to call it at the time was starting I mean you know what I mean like it's it, like when they when you put out. That was when the compilation came out, I think, was 75. It's like, this is how much music has been put out in a... What else was there out there that was comparable to Black Sabbath at this time? I'm going to say nothing. Yeah, I can't think of anything on top of my head. I think people were... I think you got a lot of uh, underground bands that were reaching and they were trying because they thought maybe it was an uh, untapped uh, resource. Like, if they could break to what Sabbath was doing and, and grab the Sabbath audience, but none of them could do it. Then nobody had the skill. Nobody had what they brought as a whole complete package. I mean, maybe right. early Springsteen. <laughs> and maybe some late Clapton. <laughs> definitely nobody signed to Warner Brothers or a major label no, and stuff like that. It was, I mean, they were the, they were the, I don't think the general public understands how musically talented they were. I mean, they, I think that when, I, when I listened to them, 
Yeah, and different. Like I heard them, I'm like, okay, these guys are playing at a level of. Would you say they're playing at a level of Led Zeppelin? Because I would say so, as far as all the different complexities, a lot of the songs, mm. prog. Like you said, this is prog. It's just the fact that they they played into the whole. Their card was the evil, which which helped them and also hindered them from the general public. Wouldn't you say? I yeah. Look, I, I think Tony Iommi is is as good of a musician as as Cla- uh, as Jimmy Page, but I think Zeppelin did a lot more. I don't know. Musically, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, I guess you're right. They're pretty close, like, though. I don't know. But they're much more accessible because they didn't go into all this shit, too. Yeah. Image. But this was also the first record by them, uh, the the beginning of the decline, the first one that didn't go platinum. Correct. Yes. And but I will say that the reason that I like this album so much is, um, you know, Bill Ward's ass. Example, <laughs> besides that, yeah. that that added bonus is like your 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 thing is like like paranoid and things like that. There's only one. I like the variety of tempos. In, in this in this album, you know, like like the ones that are already covered, Hole in the Sky, Some of the Universe, Am I Going Insane, different flavors to it. And then they end each side with a just monster prog rock song like Megalomania and The Writ. Took a while to digest, but I mean, Hole in the Sky and Sip of the Universe, those are almost primitive thrash songs. Yeah. I like the name of the producer. I like the fact that the producer's name was Mike Butcher for some reason. Uh, I also like the fact that that uh, they, they brought in a fog machine for the back cover. <laughs> it's a nice it's a nice mirror. Oh my god. Well, in between there they released that greatest hits that you like so much, but after that, um, Released on my birthday, September twenty fifth, in nineteen seventy six, was technical <laughs> ecstasy. Oh, birthdays! You, your birthday has shifted. <laughs> Once again, produced by Tony Iommi. Now, before I kick it to Gene, I will mention uh, this is when like the Sex Pistols, the Clash, and the Damned are, are kind of making a scene in England. Things are changing quite a bit, and supposedly after recording this record, I haven't been able to find any confirmation other than Wikipedia, which is suspect. Ozzy checked himself into a mental asylum when they finished recording this record. I hadn't heard that prior. And Bill Ward also sings for the first time on this album with the song It's All Right. Gene, what are your initial thoughts on this album? Oh, boy. Well, if we want to start with the cover, I'd say it's one of the worst uh, album covers ever created. Of all time. Yes, of all time. Not just a Black Sabbath discography. This is of all time. Um, I don't think anybody in the band even likes it. Yeah, it's goofy. Yeah. It's ridiculous. The Born Again cover is upset with it. 
What did Ozzy or it- Tony say? It was <laughs> <laughs> Tony or Ozzy said it was like uh, two robots having sex on an escalator or something yeah, like that? Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it's uh, and that I, robot is definitely blasting me jizz. Yeah, blasting me jizz. Yeah, no, I don't get it, and it's not that great. As far as the album itself, boy. This is you could really see the cracks with the band. There, I don't see there. There's no, there's not much here redeeming at all, at of anything of any of these songs. They were throwing stuff together, I think, just to to come up with an album. Um, for the song "Gypsy," I feel it almost has a little bit of a Kiss vibe, crossed with a little yeah. Billy Joel. Which is a strange combination, I guess. <laughs> That's how I describe most of Black Sabbath. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you and so many others. Rock and Roll Doctor, I feel they're clearly stealing from the Osmonds on Crazy Horses. Really? All right. Um, and uh, She's Gone is a is Sabbath's answer to Kiss's Beth. I think I don't know if they were trying to capture some of... Uh, which one? She's Gone, which is also... Okay. Uh, the song title itself was stolen from Hall & Oates. Oh, why? <laughs> so, and then uh, she's gone. Is it's it feels like a very Bethy type of song. I don't know if they thought, hey, let's try that. But uh, then again, they've had changes, and changes was very unique, and it's uh, it's it done on its own. So, who am I to say that they were trying to copy anything that Kiss was doing back then? Ozzy left during this tour. It just everything was just bad about this whole time. Everything that the the album itself. I'm trying to think of if there's anything. Songwise redeeming on it, and I'm not seeing anything. It, this this yeah. this album never connected with me. I I refer back to it from at times. I I've, I've got nothing on this one. This this was uh, just a bad album for me. Loose beginning to end. Yeah, I mean it, it's telling that uh, the best song on this this album is not sung by Ozzy, and that's it's all right.
like that song it's actually in a lot of my playlists because it's very beatlesque and it's a it's a well-written song but again it's not a really a black sabbath song it's just kind of like something that would be on a, a solo ep a solo album i should say yeah but this is just first off i don't want black sabbath talking about women i don't need to imagine <laughs> them in romance ah, I don't want to imagine great with, point with, never thought about it that way carry on like the whole dirty woman and she's gone. I give a fuck about your relationships. I don't care about anything. When they would play Dirty Woman on like the reunion tour, I'm like, seriously? Yeah, no you're doubt. Putting this, you're putting this in your set list? I don't, Backstreet Kids sounds like like a title of a Sesame Street movie. I mean, you've got, you've got uh, all it's moving parts. Broadway cra- musical. Yeah. Backstreet Kids. And you see cats dancing around <laughs> like that. With switchblades. <laughs> That's right. Oh, yeah. It's like it's like West Side Story or whatever that. Yeah, finger yeah. snapping. Finger snapping. Yeah. Switchblade <laughs> carrying cats. And then and then you got. I can just see them saying, "This is very clever." It's called "All Moving Parts." Parentheses stand still. Get it? It's ironic. It's something. Rock and roll, fucking doctor. These titles don't even sound like Black Sabbath songs. No, yeah. it sounds like the weirdest. Just, uh, just a just a shit seventies band. Like if you just looked at this and it didn't say Black Sabbath on it, and you saw these songs, you'd be like, "This is a weird." band that has some generic sounding uh, tracks and I'm not going to buy it. And that's all I have to say about it. I don't know I don't know even if we're going to feature a track of this 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 is a this is definitely 0 out of the 8. Yeah, this is my least favorite. Um I have nothing to add. You guys both covered it. So uh <laughs> uh yeah, the 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 song I would ever go back to is it's all right. Uh, the rest of this, you pretty much summed up my thoughts. This this record is complete garbage. Gene uh, mentioned it before they're getting into to recording the next record. Uh, Ozzy quits. And a guy named Dave Walker from uh, Savoy Brown step was given the job, and they started working and writing with him. I actually contacted Dave at his... <laughs> he lives in Montana, uh, has a landline. And uh, he, I was told by the person who gave me his number to like, you just got to keep calling him. He's hard to get a hold of. Uh, fortunately, I got through it the second time, and uh, he heard my message the first time, and he was raring to go. So uh, here's a little bit from Dave Walker about the uh, his in- involvement with Black Sabbath while Ozzy dipped out for a few months. How did they approach me? I was living in California in Marin County, and I had a band called Mistress. You know, I was in a ba- I had a band in a band called Mistress, and the, the guitar player was a guy, or is a guy named Greg Douglas, and he was playing a lot with Steve Miller. And the band was great. We had a, it was a really good band, and it was a lot of fun. But Greg Douglas decided that he was, you know, he he would play more with Miller than he was going to play with us. And so we're going, oh, you know, it was a terrible shame. And then right on, right as that was happening, you know. 
I got a call from England from Albie Chapman, who was their tour manager, big Albert Chapman, uh, saying, hey, Ozzy's leaving the band, Dave. Do you want to come over, you know? And, 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 and join, essentially. So I said, yeah, cool. You know, I've got, I, I, I'll be honest with you, you know, I, I knew from the get-go it wasn't really my style of music, but they were friends of mine. You know, I'd only been living in, uh, in America then for kind of four years or so, you know, so England was still not <laughs> weird enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> now I go back, it's too, I, well, I haven't been back for a while, but it's weirder than hell. I mean, it's just weird. <laughs> But anyway, so, you know, I, it, it seemed to me like, oh, well, he is, you know, just follow your nose, and which is what I've always kind of done. And I went over, and we rehearsed in, down in Wales on the Welsh border in Monmouth. And I wrote a lot of lyrics, and I was married at the time, and I was, my, uh, my ex-wife came over, and um, it was a bit of a distraction, you know. The vibe got the, the vibe got kind of weird. I could feel the vibe getting sort of weird. And anyway, one day we went down to, I think it was Tewkesbury. It's an, that's an old town on the River Seven. I think it was Tewkesbury, real pretty place. And we were sitting there, and and Ozzy showed up with his then wife, not Sharon, but she's the lady who was married to then. Okay. Uh, and I thought, wow, this is you know. Um, and then things changed. So uh, obviously, Ozzy comes back into the picture, and they record "Never Say Die." Uh, this this was released on my birthday on September twenty eighth, nineteen seventy eight, in Toronto. Once again, produced by Tony Iommi. Gene, take it away. The I'm going to say the album cover is an improvement, but that's not <laughs> saying much. Well, it's become no. iconic. It's like uh, uh, Tony Stark, Wharton, Iron Man. Yeah. Now they 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 did. Kind of um, to revive it in a way. Yes. Kind of odd, considering that this is not like their heyday. But exactly. That's, that's, that's like yeah. the, the huge shirt, you know, image now. But, yeah, so at least an improvement. And for me, the album itself is an improvement. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's not saying much. There's there, the, the title track is phenomenal. I think yeah. it's a great track. I think it fits in very well with the whole canon of of the the better albums and uh, all the songs that we've learned to love throughout the years. Um, boy. I think this is a single. I think it's Never Say Die and a bunch of other songs that I've tried to get into over the years. Oh, I disagree can't. a little bit. Well, see, no, I'm I'm kind of where where Luce is at on this one. It's it's the title track, and then it's a lot of uh, album filler to get get through a recording process with a band that didn't no longer want to work together. Ozzy was fighting with with uh, Geezer on lyrics, you know, and he shouldn't have been because Geezer was the man. Geezer was the guy who was providing him with the resources, and he kept telling him to go back and redo. and And there was a lot of infighting in the band. Drugs are rampant. And the band is just falling apart even more so than they have been previously. Ozzy's back, but nobody's happy. And they have one good song, and then they have a bunch of garbage, and then they have another song, <laughs> another track that Bill Ward sings on, and yeah. then they put it out, you know, the rest is history. Yeah, I mean, this sounds like a band falling apart, so it's not surprising this was the last album. However you want us to think of certain tracks in this album as decent or you like them or they're deep tracks if, if you are into them. There's there's no comparison compared to uh, with the title track. You stack that next to the rest. Never Say Die could fit in like you just said with, with our albums, but it almost seems like this was a track that they had and never released earlier because all the other songs kind of sound like they should be together 
together, but not that one. Yeah, initially when this when they started working on this album, they were working with Dave from Zavoy Brown, and then Ozzy comes back and he scraps everything, so they have to start over. So yeah. as far as I know, I don't know what survived from that initial thing. So I don't know if I wouldn't, I'm not sure if never say die was even a track that they had worked with in the past or not, or if it was something they had to just come up with off the cuff. It sounds like from what they're saying in interviews that they basically had to just start fresh. And that was part of the reason this album was so disjointed and so broken is they didn't have time to work out the material. They basically just had to get together and go, okay, we've got so much time and so much money go album. Yeah, Yeah. it, it definitely does kind of feel that way. I'm thinking Never Say Die was I know I know Junior's Eyes which Dave talked about That's you you, right. can, you can find that on YouTube but that did carry well, forward but that was a much different song it was basically just the music to me Never Say Die sounds like almost like a, a sign of things to come Never Say Die would fit on Heaven and Hell yeah, more you're than right. it would going backwards uh, okay. but I can but see that. And if if uh, Backstreet Kids is a Broadway play is a title track to a Broadway play, well then Johnny Blade is one of the musical numbers in it. Definitely, uh, <laughs> I can say Johnny Johnny Blade. But I love Junior's Eyes. I love Hard Road. Slightly better than Technical Ecstasy. I don't think it's a great Black Sabbath album. I don't think it represents what people think of historically with Black Sabbath. Uh, but I do think it was a, a slight improvement over a piece of shit before this. And it was, uh, it, you're, you're, everybody's right, though. I mean, the writing was on the wall. This was it for Ozzy and Black Sabbath. And, and we all know what happened next. You know, basically, Ozzy quits. Uh, Bang Sharon Arden marries her, uh, has kids, uh, becomes uh, Randy Rhodes' best friend. Randy fucks Sharon. Ozzy has him killed. Uh, 
<laughs> These are all facts. Yeah. Uh, so nothing happens with uh, Ozzy and Black Sabbath, obviously. They, they did the Live Aid thing in 1985, which I encourage everybody to go find on YouTube because at the time it seemed like it was Ozzy against you know those guys, and that's why it seemed odd. But in reality, none of those four dudes talk to each other. And it was awkward for all of them. You know, they're all like, they're all looking at each other like, this is weird, right? Can I ask a little bit more about that? Sure. I've never seen it. Yeah. So was it... Um, and Ozzy like looks a, like Ozzy, you know, during this time. And he's wearing the big giant glitter coat, kind of covering sure. up how fucking, you know, husky and fat he is at the time. And he's got the, the poofed 80s metal hair and the eye makeup. Did they play for like an hour? And no, they played three so songs. Like, oh, that was it. Yeah. It was just a up there and yeah, Zeppelin reunited that day the Who reunited right. that day so it's kind of like a uh, aging rock band reunion day but it was just like a couple of songs each yep. interesting I've never I've never seen it yeah, um, do, okay. do, you, do they do actually know? sound good do they sound good or, or no they sound okay awkward? no no they don't sound great I haven't heard it in such a long time or seen it in such a long time that I have no real opinion on it but okay. I do okay. remember the hair yeah, yeah, and, and isn't he wearing, I mean, again, it's been a long time since I saw it, but I swear he's wearing, like, one of those, like, uh, sequence Liberace robes like he wore yeah. around that time, you know? I, I You painted a picture. I can see it in my head. Yeah. I do have one question. Was Bill Ward uh, wearing the red tights? Uh, he was not, but he looked like he was 900 years old. Uh, in other words, he looked <laughs> yes, like he, he always did. Birth. I would <laughs> like to see that kid as a baby. <laughs> yeah, so Already when, old. Uh, we need to have someone Photoshop a picture of Bill Ward being born. Uh, Bill Ward is the Benjamin Button of Sabbath. Well, no, but he doesn't get younger looking. That's <laughs> <So> we just <laughs> stay. He, he, he was born old and stayed old. Uh, He's the def- he's the he's the defective Benjamin Button. There's all sorts of dalliances with reuniting, and uh, um, I'm pretty sure based on the way Ozzy was towards the end of his like initial run with Sabbath, Ozzy was never right. I I think I I think his his mental state because every time he talks about like why he quit Sabbath, it's always a different story, especially during this time. And I don't think it's just drugs and alcohol. I think Ozzy was always a bit fucked in the head from pretty much go. And, and I love Ozzy, and uh, and he's uh, an American treasure, even though he's not American. It's just, it seems to me that, like, it's hard to pin him down on one thing, on anything, throughout his career. And and it, he and he, he he can conveniently just go back to that, oh, blah, 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 blah. The, the point being is that, like, I think Ozzy fucked with Sabbath, but I don't think he did it intentionally. I think at times he actually wanted to reunite with them, and then at times he was like, why would I want to go back? And it's like, you know, make up your fucking mind. But eventually they do. The whole image of Ozzy being evil and all this stuff, I've, I've just always, even before the Osbournes, uh, you know, came out, I always saw him as just kind of a fuck-up. Like a, you know, sure, did he officially or did he not officially bite the dove? He did. I cannot remember. Yeah. He did that in a, in a, a board bat. meeting, right? In a bat. Okay, fine. But again, you know, pisses on the Alamo, all this kind of stuff. But but during this time when, when Black Sabbath is like maybe going to have a reunion, if I'm Ozzy, I'm like, why? I mean, his career is going quite well comparatively. Oh, to, to I don't think it was time. wrong of him to, to not do it, but I think it was more um, uh, some astute management from his wife. Yeah, well, the student management saying why, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, saying. exactly. He's like, look at you, look at them. No, um, yeah. But uh, look, there was always these little dalliances. Like he would dip, dip his toe in the water and then pull it back. I just don't he's think. Certainly- I don't yeah. think he was literally fucking with them out of spite or anything. I just don't think he really had control over it. 
And with that, too, before you go to the uh, lead up to the reunion, I would say that he always played at least four or five Sabbath songs in his, in his solo. Oh, yeah. And then he set, released that right? live record of all Sabbath tunes, which I think Sabbath yeah. took as kind of a dig. But I Had that be. was right after Randy died. And, and I don't know if it was a dig. It was orchestrated by his wife, who was pissed off at her dad, who was managing Sabbath. I don't think Ozzy was instrumental in that. It might have been like Ozzy, like, I don't want to play these Randy songs right now. And that's how I always took it, because it was between but, it was between Bark at the Moon and uh, Diary of a Madman. Right, but it came out right after Live Evil, too. Well, the yeah, they're all around around the same time. And yeah, well, Ozzy, again, one of those things where Ozzy says this, and then later he says that. Oh, he was mad that they released a live record when they never would with yeah. him. Like, does that make any fucking sense? Oh, now you do a live record that sucks? You could have done a live record that sucks when I was in the band. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, uh, I just, I, I, I don't really understand it. He just kind of bounces around when it comes to that stuff. I think the only reason that Ozzy may have dabbled with the idea of a reunion is because they needed him. Yeah. I think that's that's why it, it, it kind of was that, that dangling. Carrot on the stick. Exactly. Thank you. That that he kept toying with the idea, and maybe it was always back to let's get back to brass tacks. Why should we do it? Well, I guess we really, really don't need to because we're we're kind of riding in a we're in a much better situation than they are, and maybe it was nostalgia. Maybe he kind of missed some of the old the good old days, but eventually it did happen. But yeah, yeah it it and, he didn't need to. So with that said, um, why the decision after you know the monster success of No More Tears? Uh, a couple of years later, d- d- does the Black Sabbath reunion happen? What do you think it was, Baco? It was the uh, record he did in between. <laughs> Osmosis? Down to Earth? Yeah. Okay, it was Osmosis, oh, yes. I think it wasn't it Osmosis and Down to Earth? Weren't they both between? I think it was. I, it might have been. I, and then I he's like, yeah, that, that, maybe I'll go back to Sabbath. Or in Ozzy's term, blah, 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 blah. But <laughs> besides that, didn't he have... Um, Oh, who did he have on there? Didn't he have Geezer? Yeah, Geezer was on uh, the 1988 record with Zach, No Rest for the Wicked. But he also did a couple things after that, too. Geezer with Ozzy? Well, he did the Just Say Ozzy record, which was that live EP. Yeah, he was on some some other tracks, too. I'm just saying maybe that kind of greased the wheels. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, I mean, Geezer was always kind of jumping around, too, between Ozzy and Dio and Tony. But, uh, yeah, so we get to the 1997 reunion. Uh, they they tour and they re- they record the 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 live album and DVD and they put two new Last songs Supper. on. What's that? No, Last not Supper. well. The Last Supper was the DVD. The CD was called yeah. Reunion. And on Reunion, they have Psycho Man and Selling My Soul. Over here 
two songs that actually ended up growing on me that I hated right off the bat. I'm actually not familiar with either of those songs. Really? Wow. Yep, oh. I am not. I, huh. I, I, thanks, I actually. Thanks for coming. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming up with the idea of the show. Actually, I completely forgot about that. That when they got back together, that they started doing that. I I just jumped right to thirteen. I I kind of I spaced that whole that whole piece with the reunion. Okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Hold on for a second. I mean, so I'm, you never saw them on the reunion tour? Or anything? I did. I yes. saw them at so three did. Oz Fest. Yeah, they played the same eight yeah. songs each time. Exactly. I, I, I did see them with Ozfest, but they didn't play the new songs, did they? I don't even. No, I they didn't. No, I never oh, saw any of that. No, no. I know. Um, uh, Psycho Man was played on the radio a little bit. Uh, but I, I think that's probably the last time I heard it. Actually, was probably when it initially came out. If it was even listening to the radio back then, I was so deep into uh, MP3s and creating my own playlists and kind of specializing my music collection and, and avoiding commercials and just a lot of what radio was pushing in the 90s. Plus, uh, Backstreet was really breaking at that time. Exactly. <laughs> but Gene, Gene, hold on. You're telling me in 1997 you were busting out MP3s on AOL. You think 97? Yes. Yeah. It was, well, no, no, I'm sorry. You're right. It would have been a little bit later than that. I was still digging into the CDs. I was doing a lot with, I was getting those those awesome compilations they were having on OzFest, actually. Oh, I yeah. was really digging those. That, that, that turned me on to a lot there, of bands. Yeah. A lot of free CDs when we went to OzFest. And cassettes. I, actually, I still have some of those cassettes even oh, to this whoa. day that they were handing out when you'd walk into OzFest. It was it was nice uh, swags that swag that you get coming into the show. Did you did you get the uh, Bon Jovi Bad Medicine single? If <laughs> if I did, I probably did leave with it. All right. I'm sh- I'm not sure if you know it's Bad Medicine Day again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little, little, little shout out. They re- re- released on my birthday, by the way. <laughs> Another one on your birthday. So the reunion. I mean, do you think there was at all an inspiration of how well Kiss did on the reunion? Or a lot of these bands, not just them, but like a lot of the bands uh, started reuniting in the mid '90s. They saw the cash. You know what? Maybe a, a less conspiratorial angle could be that promoters came to the saw the money and, and approached them. Okay. You know, okay, I mean, I you know, like like, hey, look, here's a fucking giant stack of cash, Sabbath. So fast forward, we we go from reunion to no, no. I guess, a fun fact, and, and this is the actual true one for you, Loose Cannon. In two thousand one mm-hmm. was when they first started working with Rick Rubin. Uh, on, oh on, yes, I know that. Yes, yeah. I remember this. And it kind of fell apart, and then they fell into. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Did Rick Rubin produce Cycle? Or the? No, no, no. I'm talking thirteen. I know. I'm saying that. Did he? Was he involved back then? Even. No, no. A reunion that those two songs were produced by Bob Marlette. Thank you. Okay. Continue. Anyway, so around 2001, they they, they they start thinking about doing a full studio record. Rick Rubin sure. is involved, and uh, everything, it's just, they uh, started getting pieced together, but none of it ended up getting used. It fell apart. Ozzy went off, did solo stuff. Uh, then eventually they started having like a legal problem between who owned what, and, and, and more about money and merchandising and all that stuff. And it didn't all come back together until 2011, and then they announced they were going to do it, and the whole band was going to do it rick rubin was going to produce and by the beginning of 2012 tony iomi announces he has lymphoma kind of puts the break on breaks on things a little bit and bill ward says i couldn't come to an agreeable contract so he's out uh and thankfully i think one of the you know the reputation that uh rick rubin has as a produce as an absentee producer 
if if this is the only contribution he made to this record, I, I thank it. And that is like saying Tony Klufidos is not going to play. A, Tommy, I'm sorry, Tommy Klufidos is who was Ozzy's drummer at the time, who Ozzy stole from uh, Rob Zombie, uh, is not going to play on this. He wanted Brad Wilk from Rage Against the Machine, which is much more in tune with how Bill Ward plays. Uh, n- not not a mimic, but I'm just saying Tommy Klufidos is basically just kind of like Eric Singer on steroids. He's just he's just kind of a, a a hard rock drummer. You know what I mean? Where I thought Brad Wilk would at least add some integrity to the Sabbath sound. I'll I'll stop here and just say I love the record. I enjoy the album quite a bit. Um, I initially I I don't know, I went through kind of a love hate with this one, where it initially came out. I'm like, oh, this is really cool, Sabbath and Ozzy. But then I'm the Ozzy's vocals since the eighties, maybe mid nineties, have kind of the way he's changed or the way they record it, it's kind of lost a little bit for me. And that kind of stood out to me on this album. To where I can listen to it, but then at times I'm annoyed by his 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 approach vocally on it. Also lyrically. I felt uh, it, fe- it felt a little stunted. Geezer was back lyrics, lyric writing. Well, Ozzy was working with him too on it. And I, cause I, I thought, I remember reading something with uh, Geezer was talking about how Ozzy would call him up at, uh, at hours and say, I'm having trouble lyrically with this. What would your recommendation be? Well, it, they, they very much tried to replicate certain elements of the early era. Even the first song has almost that devil's tritone drinking game sound to it. Um, yeah, because it sounds exactly like. The song Black Sabbath. But I love the fact that they end the record with the sound of rain, which is how the first song and the first record starts, and this ends up being their last album. I mean, we can't say for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I think we can. Uh, <laughs> because Ozzy's already talking about how, like, oh, you know, because, you know, again, spastic ended here, and he's like, it was perfect ending, and now I'm going to do a farewell tour. Oh, that album sucked. Uh, it was a horrible ending, and I'm not retiring. Who, th- other than me, who said I was retiring? But anyway, back to 13. Lewis, what do you got? Baco, I'm glad you enjoy this album. Um, my, I think the working title of this was Zero. Really? Um, and yes, that I, I. Hey, what's the song excited. that sounds like Planet Caravan? Is that Zeitgeist? There is a Probably. song that's like a Planet Caravan cover. Yeah, it even has like that kind of like gargly vocal thing. Planet yeah. Caravan so, Part so, Two. Yeah. All right. So I, I end of the beginning sounds like the Black Sabbath song, uh, yep. but sucks. And then Loner sounds like a really shitty version of Sweet Leaf. And <laughs> the riff is it's very similar. It's better than Sweet Leaf, but it's not a great song. Uh, the, my whole thing is that I really wanted to listen to it. This is one of those that, that we've talked about this, Baca, before. Is yeah. that when a band you love, you listen to it like you're, you're actually like just – you think there's going to be this thing that you're going to wrap your mind around it and love it. And obviously you do. This never did it for me. And actually, I do not like the production of this at all from Rick Rubin and, okay. um, and, the, the, and everything like that. It's just – I'm going to just finish this with 13 is not for me. I wish it was. It just never worked. Yeah, I like that point you made there too with the production. I, I, I think it did lack a little bit. There's something that's just not there. I can't put my finger yeah, on it, but I don't know what it is either. It's it's like they, I don't know if they tried too hard or they didn't try hard enough, but there's just something that's there's a soul missing. I don't know what it is. This is basically a dream theater album. We we have there is five five of the songs are eight to nine minutes. That's nuts. You're nuts. 
Yeah, especially in today's era where everybody's got short attention spans. I'm surprised they didn't go with uh, quick hitters and shorter tracks. Yeah, or at least, you know, just have two war pigs on it and the rest, you know, five. <laughs> well, and that's, five. Just give me two war pigs and a paranoid and get out of here. <laughs> Jesus right. Christ. Get your head out of your ass, Black Sabbath. Even Sabotage, which is their most, most like, proggy. This is more proggy than Sabotage. Uh, yeah, the bonus tracks on this one are actually shorter, and I, and they may even be better songs, uh, Methodemic you know, easy and now. Pariah. Can I tell you this, though, Baco? The thing you're a bit of a hypocrite on oh. is this is the sonic boom of Black Sabbath. I don't know. I, I really don't. There are so many tri- little little nods in songs that I'm like, that is that song, that is that song, that is that song. I don't mind so. nods. I mind when it's pathetically horrible. Uh, so, no, yeah, I'm not a hypocrite at all. You're a hypocrite, loose. I have to look up more thesaurus words for hypocrite. Yeah. Hey, what is a what is a synonym for hypocrite? Loose cannon. <laughs> <laughs> Walt played. I like it. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the Aussie era. I don't know about you guys. I'm ready to get into some Dio. Let's get into some fucking Dio. What do you say? Rock's not dead. It's alive in Bill Ward's underpants. And it's turning you on. Actually, I gotta go to the bathroom real quick so that I'm gonna just just intro Gene and let him go for a little bit. Okay. Okay, bye. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 